Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works. I'm going to give you three seconds of a popular song and you have to tell me what it is or you're fired. I swear people don't actually know songs like you think they do. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who would challenge that most people don't actually know song titles like Toby because he has a freakishly good memory. And I'm here with my co-host who has that freakishly good memory, Toby Walters. And don't I remember firing you? Uh, you know, if you do, you never remember the, the most important part. You know the most important part of firing someone? Stop paying them? Setting them on fire. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say paying them, but then you took my answer. Yeah, and it, have you seen Office Space? Was it like once upon a time, I maybe you watched missing it? missing my paycheck. Listen, yes. Toby, I went to school in the South, which means that there were a lot of football coaches. Means you're uneducated? Well, Is- I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> There's a lot of football coaches that are teachers, and so we watched that, that show or that movie in economics. Because that was our economics lesson for the day. That sounds like an awesome class. Sure. (laughs) Speaking of incredible intelligence, unlike Blake. Uh, Present company. Yeah. So uh, my church, Church of the City, uh, there's just, I mean, it's it's grown so fast and so quickly. And from all the church hoppers, you know, (laughs) going from one church to that one. Shut up. And obviously in Franklin, Tennessee, there's a lot of talent in the Christian music industry. And we have three different of our regular worship leaders are all like very successful Christian artists. We got John Reddick, David Leonard, and Chris McClarney. And they're incredible worship leaders. And then we have guys in the production team that, you know, have worked with Toby Mac and have been on tour with Bethel. Like there's just so much talent. And then there's like this superstar who somehow makes the whole thing work. Because if you throw a bunch of talented people together in a room, you, you got to have somebody to tell them where to go, wouldn't you say? Sure, you need the you need the chief, the the general. So uh, one thing that's that's kind of fun at Church of the City, they give the worship leaders a lot of freedom to, you know, feel the spirit moving in a worship service and change course as they so feel led. And I'm I'm most impressed by the band because they can somehow keep up. Like you have session musicians that are constantly, so Blake, have you ever seen, um, I know at Fellowship, uh, Nate, the music director, he'll have a separate mic and he'll walk over and he'll say something into it, but you won't hear it come through the... I've never noticed that. So he's the the MD, the music director, and he's telling the band, hey, we're going, you know, we're going to play this chorus again, or hey, we're going to switch to this. So the worship leader oftentimes at Church of City has a talkback mic, which is going directly to the band, as well as the production people. But sometimes they don't always tell everyone where they're going with it. So all of a sudden, they will just, they'll sense the spirit moving, and they will just switch course, change songs. And the band is one thing. The fact that they can keep up, that's super impressive. But all the production people are all of a sudden 
what is happening? What slide is this? What scene is this? Who's singing? Where, you know, which mic do I put up? This My creates structure is all over the place. <laughs> that's not, that's wrong, Blake, but that's cute for you. I was You're trying. trying. They actually set the gain structure beforehand, but that's very well, cute. Then for we you. changed the plan. So somebody's got to tell them where they're going. And at Church of the City, there's a service producer that is almost like the the translator between the worship team and the production people. And she is awesome. Her name is Sarah. And they have told me before, the production people, that she has like this superpower where she'll hear about three seconds of the song and she'll be like, hold on, nobody talk. Like three beats of it. And she'll be like, it's this song, go slide this, move that. And how somebody can call those scenes that quickly, you know, it's amazing. And I just love that, you know, as you get bigger and bigger, as you and I, you know, as a podcast gets to millions and even billions of listeners, mm. we're probably going to have to have somebody like calling the shots. Well, you know, Sarah's are typically super powered. That's why we, you know, have hired exclusively Sarah's to work at Church Gear. Like if you're a girl and you don't have the name of Sarah, it's not going to work out here. But each of them spell their name a little differently. So at least we have diversity in how we spell Sarah. That's part of the superpower. Yeah. So I... You know, that's kind of part of the secret sauce at Church Gear. We just keep hiring more Sarahs to to help manage things around here. And so in, you know, regards to that, we brought in another Sarah with superpowers, the creative director from the Central Arts and Worship team at Willow Creek, Rebecca Windefeld. <laughs> Windefeld. Wiedenfeld. Wiedenfeld. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, happy to be here. That's uh, easily mispronounced. The, the number of pronunciations that I have gotten for my last name is, that's a superpower in itself. Wiedenfeld. She, Wiedenfeld. she gave me the yeah. pronunciation guide before the episode and then rehearsed it with me before we recorded. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I can't. You can't <laughs> pronounce things. I'm just not a pronouncing guy. Rebecca, <laughs> is your middle name happen to be Sarah? It, it isn't. It Dang isn't. It. Why? <laughs> Why are you asking Sarah Windefeld? Wind because you just said to bring in another Sarah. Another Sarah? You introduced her this as another Sarah. Yeah, but why'd you ask if her middle name was Sarah? Because her name's Rebecca. She's not a Sarah. I'm just trying to help you out, Blake. Not <laughs> oh my be, gosh. Yeah, I thought that's why you were talking about that. No, uh, I was just, Blake, do you assume that there's actually any intelligent intention to anything I ever say around here? This just goes to prove that my brain is plucking <laughs> transitions, not uh, context at all. I just went, oh, that's a transition. <laughs> I'm just That's trying so to imagine you in like a creative director or service producer role where now you're wearing a headset and you're trying to explain to everyone like, hey, this change is going to happen here. And so hit this cue and you go here and do this. It would not work out. No. Speaking of things not working out, <laughs> we've got five truths and a lie here. Um, I'm going to move on because this is one of my more embarrassing moments of the podcast. I actually do feel embarrassed on. Uh, number one, I've been on national television. Now, Rebecca, you know that this isn't nationally televised. It's only locally televised, right? Counting I, I, I do recognize that. Until I do we, recognize that. <laughs> until we go into syndication. For your sake, go. I hope it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I have biked from Oregon to Virginia. If that's true, I mean, maybe it's like motorcycle. Well, I was going to say, I think it's fair to ask motorcycle or bicycle. I mean, well, she can't give it away, but. Well, she can just lie if it's not true. So is that, <laughs> does that mean motorcycle or bicycle? Uh, it means bicycle. Okay. Uh, that's what I'll say right now. Yeah. Dang. If that is true, I am. I can barely walk from the couch downstairs to the fridge. Like, it's a chore. That's why I had kids. So they'll do it for me. All right. Number three. I have lived in four states. 
Okay. Yeah. Like a state of despair and a state of <laughs> chaos. And... That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Number uh, four, you want to read into it? Number four, I have been in a plane flying upside down. <sighs> so have all the actors in Top Gun too. I'm about to poop myself. <laughs> number five, I've been electrocuted. See, that's not fair because I feel like 50% of our guests are like, oh, I've been electrocuted too. That's just, you know, a Tuesday in the production world. Yeah. <laughs> number six, I have never seen the Northern Lights. And if she lives in, in Chicago. Do you see the Northern Lights in Chicago? Well, she can't tell us. Because, oh, okay. yeah. Well, you're, you're a fair guess. Between the biking and the upside down plane, at least one of those is true. And both of those are certifiably nuts. So I got my guess. I'm right, going you, first. You get yours then. I'm going to guess the Here. lie is that you've never been electrocuted. All like, right. I am going to okay. say that she has uh, not lived in four states or locked in like you're right oh my <laughs> That's gosh the, i have i have only lived in three states okay. i have been on national tv i went to the the today show did like the plaza when i was in new york one time so Ooh. it's on national tv I, I did bike across the country me and my brother did Why? self-supported on our bicycles because we could oh my gosh how long did, how we didn't long know did, if we could let's how long let's be there take it was 45 days. Six of those were rest days. So it was like 39 days of actual like pedaling. Man. Are you Average in, like 108 miles a day. Are it you in ridiculously good shape? Because I couldn't bike across town. You know what? The, the process does like put you more in shape. I, before the trip, I had biked, I think, 67 miles like the most I'd biked in a day was 67 miles. And I was on a trainer inside. And then the first day when we went on the road, we did over a hundred miles. And then the Whoa. next day was like 120 miles. So my body was like, what are you doing? Um, but your body adapts, which is like, I knew that as an athlete, like, Oh, you just put your body in that situation. You've heard of the people that run a marathon every day for like months on end and they end up getting faster as they go, like stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we went out and just kind of kept showing up, keep pedaling. You just have to put time in. Like that's the thing with biking is like, just got to decide in your mind and just keep pedaling. How did you even like have a, a path? Cause I mean, are you like on main roads biking? It was primarily like small town America, almost paths. We, there's a trail. You could call it that. You're basically just on roads the whole time. Um, called the trans America trail that was established a while ago. So there's stops along the way. There's churches, there's parks, there's police stations that kind of like know that you're, there's a lot of people that are biking through those areas. Some people do the whole thing like we did. And some people do segments of it. Um, and then it lets you know, like, Oh, take this road, take this path, take this, whatever. So we just followed that and it let us know where we could camp and let us know where we can, where we could stop and get water and, all that type of stuff. Blake, I think you and I should do a fundraiser where, nope. we, you know, all our listeners support us by paying, you know, however much like donating per mile that we ride for missions. And in the end, we raise like nine dollars because we get to the end of the street and pass out. <laughs> yeah, I think I would just be too paranoid of getting hit by a car to do it. That's true. All right. Uh, uh, that That's a real danger. That's for sure. Yep. Tell us about flying. In a plane upside down. Did you stifle that with a yawn? I did. I think, <laughs> you know, yesterday you Wait, and I, sweat? you and I went to MXU yesterday. We got up really early, had to drive back and forth to Knoxville. I'm tired. 
What can I say? And it's raining outside. It's perfect conditions to. Oh, it is raining. Look take at a that. little, take a little nip. All back. right. Okay. What? Why in the world was this plane upside down? So my grandpa like spent his whole career <laughs> flying, and he learned aerobatics, and he had a private plane, and so Dang. we would go up sometimes on weekends, and then we would do. Yeah, different like aerobatic tricks in the air. And so, yeah, wow. super fun, super fun time with like my grandpa. But yeah, I've done that a few times. Was that like, did that scare the life out of you or you're just like, no, it's cool. No. Yeah, I loved it. It's like better than like going on roller coasters, because once you do that, you're like, you can control yeah. how, how much you're turning. And how yeah, does he was... not like fall out of his seat if you're upside down? You're belted in, you're harnessed in. Yeah, you're like harnessed in. Ah, uh, okay. So I love that. Kind of like. I love she went upside down in a plane, and her first words were, "Well, my grandpa." <laughs> that sounds like total <laughs> grandpa move right there. Is the electrocution story cool, or is it just like you got shocked at some point and you're like, "Ow"? Uh, it's a little bit cool. I was working on uh, an LED panel. Told you production. <laughs> I know it's classic start, right? And just one of the guards between the two panels had fallen off, and I was plugging it back in. It was pre-production for um, a show. And I, all of a sudden, I thought my friend next to me had like grabbed my arms and started pulling me towards the ground. Cause I was like, what are you doing? Like, I almost like was like, ask, going to ask her like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden I was like, it stopped. And I was like, oh no, like that was, that was electricity. I blew out like the two panels and yeah, it took a couple days to feel normal. Like, yeah. Just it was like because it was through my arms. Dang, it was a. That's why Blake on, is yeah. not allowed in the tech shop. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not about getting electrocuted. I no. will file workman's comp for sure. Yeah, um, and that's the same thing my wife says every time we kiss. She's like, <laughs> I will file feels... workman's comp. <laughs> no, she says it feels like I got electrocuted because you know, there's such a spark between us, Blake. Mm. <laughs> you know, Toby. <laughs> Everything is about like the context of where it's at. You know, a fire is nice in the pit, but you wouldn't want to be in the fire. So I don't know if she's saying that nicely or, or meanly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll <laughs> never find out. So Rebecca, tell us some of your uh, your background. Like, how'd you get to Willow? Um, we know that you used to be part of the technical yeah. director for Willow Kids, formerly called Promised Land. Um, so like, tell us how you got there. Yeah. Uh, so I, after high school, I got into stage managing at a youth conference and just all of a sudden started to get like super curious about, um, the production world as that, as that started. Um, and I spent that time just learning different disciplines within production. Cause I didn't necessarily grow up as this tech kid that like worked at church and wanted to sit in the tech booths and all that type of stuff. Um, but after high school, it was like, Oh, like I, I love this. Like I, I could see myself doing this. Um, and really how I got more connected and specifically connected to Willow was through the Christmas programs. I had remembered going to a Christmas program here. I was like, it's, there was this church somewhere in the Chicagoland area. And um, I had gone to a produ production here. And then a friend had that same, the same family that had taken us to the Christmas production had also shown us. Uh, one that was like on DVD or something at their home. And so I think I Googled mega church. Like, I don't even know what I did. Somehow <laughs> I Googled to figure out like what this church was and found the number. And I just, I just called and was like, Hey, I would love to volunteer or intern with your production department. 
they forwarded me on to uh, the production directors. I'm forgetting what her role was at the time, a voicemail. I just left a voicemail. She called me back and then I ended up getting plugged in um, for like stage managing or helping on the stage team on the weekends. And it just kind of like one thing after the next um, came from there, but I volunteered for a while. Um, then I actually went down to Nashville for um, a fall tour and then um, came back to Willow about a year and a half later and started as a part-time technical director in the kids programming. Um, and then within a month of that, I started working for the Global Leadership Summit as well, part-time, which was birthed out of Willow. It's kind of like a organization that is offices out of the South Barrington campus um, and is like, yeah, was birthed out of the uh, Willow Creek Church and did those two part-time for a while. And eventually those two grew into full-time roles. And then it was kind of the decision of like, what do you want to do next? Um, so went to the Global Leadership Summit for about three and a half, four years doing broadcast um, for the summit that happens once a year and is broadcast around the U.S. and then translated and goes around the world. And then started producing weekends um, at South Barrington, South Barrington campus, and then jumped on to the central team once that uh, was established in about 2020, late 2020. Um, nothing going on then. And then <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing going on. Um, and yeah, so it was like, I became the weekend producer, COVID hit within about four months. And like, as we all know, like there's just so much pivoting, so much learning about how we're doing weekends, how we're transferring files, how we're editing all the things. Um, and then, yeah, the central team was established um, at Willow, joined, um, shifted roles, joined that one as the programming director, uh, service programming director. And then now I'm the creative director. Um, on that team as we kind of like figured out what we needed on the arts and worship central team uh, and figured out those roles, jumped into the creative director role and have been doing that for just about a year. Okay. So a uh, quick random question out of Todd Elliott and Scott yeah. Ragsdale, who is kind of referred to more with a little bit more of like the allure and lore of Willow history. Wow. Putting her on the uh -huh. spot, competing Dave, two of our favorite people against I each know. other. Yeah, that's, they've been around for so long. You know, uh, Todd, with especially with Philo and the conference um, often being hosted here at Willow, I I find that ends up being like commented more on of him being around and his influence here. But um, Scott was on staff for just a little bit while I was here um, as well. So, so it sounds like, uh, Scott, you just got bested by Todd is what, what I'm hearing. So I think we should have a Todd versus Scott episode just to, you know, nail this down. What's, Put what's them on together. true. That's right. Playing with fire, Toby. <laughs> You're playing with fire. So Rebecca, you've been there about eight years total? Yes, just, just over eight years total, okay. yeah. So, I mean, obviously Willow's one of the biggest churches in the country. Um, you know, just an amazing history of influence and stuff. Uh, that Will has been involved in. And so speak to us just a little bit about how for eight years you've been able to, you know, transition from one role to another. And, you know, I, I don't want to say climb the corporate ladder, but, you know, what advice do you have for people that maybe are feeling stuck in their role thinking, man, I'd really like to do something different, but I feel like the opportunity might not be there. How do you seize those opportunities? Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, 
what's unique about my like career, as you'd say, in, in general is that I started pretty technical and then it's just, it's slowly um, evolved more to the creative, the planning side of the creative process. And I would attribute a lot of that to just me being curious about like what specifically in my role is what is giving, like, what is it giving me energy? And so early on, I started to figure out as I was um, doing either technical directing or stage managing, I found that I was like, so drawn to like what the producer was doing or like the actual like producing type decisions that were being done um, on a weekend or, or a different event. And I started to get curious about that and trying to find ways that I can learn more about that or exercise that muscle more within the work that I was doing. Um, and I'll say like off the bat, it's such a unique experience to be uh, where I'm at just because as much as I've been here eight years, the Global Leadership Summit and uh, the church are separate organizations. So they have similar staff. So like we know each other, we're around each other, but it's unique in the fact that um, both of them are are proximate but separate. So it's almost like four four years at each organization, um, which I think also allowed for some movement and progression in a way that um, I know is not available everywhere for everyone. So um, that's a, that's a big part of it. But I would say like just get curious, like notice like what what's the thing within your role that's giving you the most energy and like that you feel most drawn to and then start asking questions of like, how can I do more of that? Or what about that is what's uh, fueling a lot of like why I do what I do. Um, and then also I think like holistically when you're in your role, think about ways that you can even start doing it differently. One thing that, um, I'm continuing to grow in and want to stretch myself in is like paying attention to how often I can ask the question, how can I help? Because if I can ask that of my volunteers or people on my team, that typically means that I have been able to communicate or someone on the team has been able to communicate the vision and the direction very clearly to uh, the people that are doing the work next to me um, or are specifically tasked to do an aspect of the production. So like, if I can ask, how can I help? That means that people are empowered, that things are happening, that I can jump in in different ways. Um, and then also the other thing is like, how often are you asking for help, asking for input, noticing like what voice is not at the table and continuing to get curious about how to get maybe more young people involved in like, how are you programming weekends or how are you doing different things or how, um, how are you approaching different problems? Um, and just like, yeah, continuing to get curious of like, who's, who's giving input into the work that you're doing? Uh, you'll probably learn a lot of stuff. And then also, I think that's just, it makes us better. Um, the more like diverse voices that we can get at tables. So at Church Gear, as we've grown, um, one of the things we've kind of struggled a little bit is like, as we grow, we kind of separate into teams. You got the tech team, you got the fulfillment mm -hmm. team, you got the sales and marketing team. And then like, how do we still function as one core team? Uh, you experience that at Willow or are you guys like, do you feel like it's a bit divided? Like is production and creative two different departments or does it feel like you've built a community amongst your teams where you can really collaborate together well? Yeah, it's, it's so easy to do that, right? Especially when you're like, if there's things to do, it's so easy to like put your head down and be like, get, get the right people around the table to get the things done. Um, 
And I would say probably for most organizations, I've at least experienced it at Willow that that ebbs and flows. Like I think there's typically this desire to be not siloed, to have good communication, to have like just like fluid work between departments, but it can naturally, especially in very busy seasons to get fairly siloed and you're just like passing information across, um, across the way. Um, but how it works at Willow, how we're currently designed is, um, and organized is that arts and worship encompasses both creative and production. So campus campuses have, um, a worship pastor, uh, and a production director and that's, uh, our production manager. And that's like the arts and worship team at the campus. And then on the central team, like it's, the central team works directly with those staff at the campus. It's a little bit different at the South Barrington campus as the broadcast campus, and it's just a larger campus, but um, it is all like arts and worship encompasses both like creative and production, but how things get created and implemented is subsets of teams based on like skill set and role. Yeah. Yeah. I love that personally. I know like lots of churches do it differently. Some churches, they're all part of the creative team. Some churches, you know, production and worship are two different departments. Um, Blake, do you, you've kind of have a a history of trying to communicate with creatives. I know it when you used to work at an ad agency, you had to like help creatives communicate (laughs) their needs. My whole job existed because you can't have bankers talking to the creatives because uh, the creatives will curse those bankers out. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. But like when when they're like, can you make the logo bigger? It's just stupid. (laughs) So uh, there's a real skill set in understanding creativity and execution and both so much so that you can be the go-between you're almost like a translator, really. Yeah, and you've sat on both those seats now. Like, you've been in production, now you're in creative. Like, have you seen, you know, a few of the things that, like, production people struggle in communicating this and creative struggle in communicating this back to them? Like, have you lived some of those things yourself? Yeah, that's, it's it's interesting. I find that sometimes it's almost more based on personality than role. Like some people are super drawn to ideation and some people are super drawn to implementation. And when you get into a meeting together, sometimes you can feel that um, some people are stressed out because we're in like idea land and all they're thinking about is like, how would we pull this off? (laughs) And then sometimes we get into the like meeting where we're like, okay, we're going to figure out how to implement this idea. And then you have people like, oh, I have a new idea. And they were like, want to bring that to the table. So I think typically you'll have people who are more drawn to the ideation side land in more creative roles because a lot of their job is like, think of a creative idea. Like, how could it look? How could it feel? How could this be implemented? Um, uh, And then like the more production side tends to be a little bit leaning more towards implementing, like how do you take this idea and make it come to life? Um, But I work with a lot of creative production people as well. So I think it's paying attention to what you're naturally drawn to in meetings and making it clear, like in this meeting, this is what we're hopeful to accomplish can be helpful for teams that you, you feel the, the difference between the either personalities or roles or all that, um, as you're trying to like implement an idea. Um, yeah. So I, I find that that can be helpful. Helpful. If you've heard of working genius by Patrick Lincioni, I love that's working, working genius. Loves working yes. Genius. Oh yeah. my gosh. Loves that. Yeah. 
even, even for myself, like it's, it's helpful to understand other teammates working genius. But for myself, I remember reading through and recognizing I'm discernment and tenacity, like reading those and recognizing, Oh, like I can see how those play out, but galvanizing is like my lowest one. And I I'd always found like, why is it so hard for me to be like, let's go team, like pull it together. I've seen so many leaders that do that so well. I wish I could do it well, but it just takes so much energy for me. Um, and just like having that language where it's like, oh, you can do it, but you're naturally, that's just naturally going to take away more energy for you. So if I have teammates that, that they're drawn to doing that, like empower them to help hold that role on the team. Um, but yeah, I find that that tool and we've used that tool um, for our arts and worship team extended like at, our, at all of our campuses. And we literally have a board that's like, here's everyone's working genius um, because it gives helpful context. And I think those tools, it's helpful to ask or lead to like the right questions, not necessarily like to find people. Like I don't understand everyone who has certain working genius, but it's like that helps lead the right questions on who to have in certain meetings and or recognize some people are going to be drawn to certain aspects of the creative process more than others. Okay. I'm so excited now, Blake, let's talk about working genius. Oh gosh. So, I mean, there's so many, there's so many different personality assessments and all this stuff. I, for myself, the two that have just clicked the most with me are the Enneagram and the working genius. And so I think most of our staff is very on board with the Enneagram. Like we all kind of embrace our number and kind of live that out. But I brought the working genius to our leadership team about a year ago, Blake, perhaps. And I was all excited about it. And of course, reading it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I immediately knew what Blake was. It was so obvious to me. And then Mm. Blake being a big old Enneagram eight read the book and he's like, I'm all of these. I, you know, me and Drew also, you know, the two millennials in the room, I don't think we're willing to settle in our, oh gosh, I was in my 20s back then. Um, I'm 30 uh, now. I don't think we're now. willing to settle. I guess I'm ready to settle now. Yep. Uh, that we just weren't good at XYZ because I got ten- tenacity and galvanizing. And so I didn't have ideation. And I'm like, if you can't think of ideas as a marketing person, psh, mm. you shouldn't be a marketing person. So I was like, forget this yeah. test. Like, this is dumb. But at the same time, I started, as you say, you. I wish we had it, as she says, Toby, like a board uh, somewhere in the office with everybody. So I think that'd be helpful because I, I started planning meetings around that. Like if I'm going to get something done, I'm going to do it with Drew. If I'm yeah. going to get ideas, I'm going to go to Toby and Dave and Ross. Like I, I like it for that regard. And I love how you talked about kind of a, I mean, everybody's different, but typical differences between production and creatives. And it's Blake is just, you know, trying to point his finger back and forth between me and him because I am so much, I'll have, you know, 17 ideas within 15 minutes. If you just, you know, what is it, Blake, turn on some ambient music and don't talk to me and I'll come back with 17 ideas. And then Blake is the details and follow through guy. So I'll give him 17 ideas and he's like, just tell me what to do, dude. (laughs) Well, and also I'm like, how much budget you want to put behind the 17? It's so funny, like the galvanizing and ideation together, I think are a fascinating combo because I need Toby. I don't want to think of all the ideas all the time, but also 90% of the time, like when it's not gold ideas, I'm annoyed by Toby's ideas. I'm like, this is distracting me. This is too much. You're unrealistic, blah, blah, blah. Hey, actually, that's really good. We should do that one. All right. Hey, now I'm going to, no, I'm doing that one. Stop coming up with more. Shut up. Let me just go fit off. Once I'm done with this one, we'll do the next one. And I'm the first one to admit I get exhausted as well by trying to rally the troops. I'll tell them, I'll tell them something once 
And then I just want them to run with it. And then I don't finish uh-huh. anything. I'm already distracted and on to the next idea. So that's why I have to have people like Blake that's like, all right, let me rally the troops and I will get this done. Between galvanizing and tenacity, it's like, that's pretty pretty well defined in that. And it's quite funny because, Toby, I will say to your credit uh, as a leader, I love how aware you are of your flaws. Mm-hmm. If I could tell, if I had it my own tech takeaway for this episode, that's what it would be because you're fine to say, yes, I have too many ideas all the time. All the time. And I have to be okay to say that sometimes it's okay for someone not to respond to an email within three minutes, but that's very difficult <laughs> for me to accept. But if it's 30 minutes, you're dead to me. Yeah. Right? Well, <clears throat> I... I li- this is a true story. Uh, within the past 10 days, someone at Church Gear did get the message, you are dead to me, sent to them by me in, <laughs> in emojis. <laughs> They're still dead to me. Um, speaking of how you don't end up dead to somebody, um, what? Uh, how does your overall production team have like a set of values and that they identify with and utilize to kind of work better and then not end up in fights like uh, like we do here at Church Gear sometimes? Shut up, butthead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It never happens, right? Um, we have uh, staff values that are anchors that, as like a full staff, we we talk about over the over the past season. There's like been one staff value that we'll talk about in our staff chapels that we have uh, once a week. So it'll be like once a month at one of those, we'll have someone expound on it, and we'll have time to like think about it, talk about it. Um, so that's like an anchor for for our full church, and then as as sub teams, it, it often comes up of like values and whys. I think as a, a team, we're often good at asking those questions of what's working. Why are we doing it? What are we pointing people towards? Like, what's our hope for, for what we're doing. And so that's like a, a, a continued conversation. I find too, that it is uh, helpful to understand even our own personal values that we're bringing into conversations or situations. Uh, Steve Cuss, if you've heard of him, he wrote the book, Managing Leadership Anxiety. We've done some of his um, Capable Life videos. He has a product online as well that kind of walks through some different team dynamic things or personal dynamic stuff. And he talks about how you can often identify your own personal value or like a team value when there's like almost like this overreaction to something happening where you're like, there was a value that wasn't honored in that moment or wasn't acknowledged in that moment. And I find that for myself and when we're working on different creative projects, recognizing like, what are, what are people's values? And sometimes if one isn't fully upheld or seen or whatever, um, it, it can lead to a good conversation um, to know this, like, oh, what about that felt hard? Like that didn't feel as hard for me, but that felt super hard for you. Like why? Um, and then even just for myself, like self-leadership, recognizing there's certain values that the more that I understand them, the more that I can lead from them or recognize how to, um, communicate them well as we're in video shoots or, or doing different projects as a team. So I think I know more people that used to work at Willow than any other church in America. And it's like, there's nothing that anyone has ever said bad about working at Willow. They all really enjoy their time, but I feel like it's almost like a training ground for so many leaders Mm -hmm. that go out. And perhaps it's because I'm at Darren Whitehead's church who used to be at Willow. Um, You mentioned that book. Uh, Are there other books that are like kind of 
you know, read quite often in your staff or other staff members or other training materials, other things that you'd recommend that, that people utilize as resources to develop as leaders? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, the Steve Cuss managing leadership anxiety, I have anxiety. I haven't actually read that book, but I have done some of his capable life courses. Like we've done them as a staff, um, and as managers. So that one for sure. Um, personally, I have read Liz Wiseman's multipliers book. That one, um, was impactful for me. And then outside of that, I think the, the main recommendation I would have, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily like books that I have felt like, oh, these are, these are the things that we're grounding on, um, is just becoming proximate to different, um, different leaders and that are leading in different diverse settings or come from different backgrounds that can help expand your view instead of just like say the same thing in different ways. So that's probably the biggest recommendation that I would have, but I not necessarily have felt like there's like one other or two other books that are circulating the most. And uh, since you've worn so many different hats across production and creative, do you have a personal opinion on what might be the hardest job in that world? Oh, putting her on the spot. That yeah. was not in the outline. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm vamping here for her to think, but yeah, we're gonna have to, yeah, we're gonna to get that answer from you. It's definitely not podcast producer because Blake does that one. Hey, hey, I do so <laughs> many jobs. I have so many hats. My closet can't even hold them all. Yeah, I OK, I would say my boss's job is probably one of the hardest jobs um that's safe, and worship safe answer right there after. <laughs> i love genuinely though because it's like holding the the hat of like pastoring an arts and worship team that is filled with worship pastors and production managers and creatives and filmmakers like just holistically um that and then being uh, like leading teams that are at different campuses as well. Like, it's just like, there's something about proximity when you're like, everyone's in an office near each other, leading in that capacity brings its own gift and challenges. Uh, but then leading across campuses on a central team where there are so many good ways to do things. Right. And then as when you're trying to, to build a team that's like, how do we, how do we do this together? How do we remain, um, contextualized in the ways that like really allow us to be present with our congregations that are actually in front of us. Like we don't want to go on autopilot. Like that's, we want to be the church, not do the church. Um, how do you do that? But then also like, how do you build systems and processes that work, that build efficiencies that allow us to be pastors? Cause if we're spending all of our time solving problems and duplicating work and all these sort of things, we're going to get distracted and or not have the time to meet with volunteers, be present on the weekends, all that type of stuff. It ends up being like, just get things done, do more work type of thing. Um, and so I think the, the overlap of those two things that require two different sides of your mm -hmm. brain, really, um, that's like really hard to do. Okay. She said it best, yeah. Blake, your boss has the hardest job, Blake. So Brian Deshaun has the hardest job. <laughs> That's right. I gave you a boss underneath. Yeah, you're not my it. boss anymore. No, you're I'm just not. my owner. I don't as... even work here, Blake. What am I doing on I this podcast? I know you don't work here. That's part of the problem. Okay, Blake, we didn't have this. Uh, and I'm just I'm just throwing a 
what is it? Throwing fastballs? Curveballs. Curveballs at Rebecca. Uh, I know we didn't ask you for a disaster story, but does anything come to mind? I know you've been around Willow and, you know, tours for a while. Has something gone horribly wrong that you have a really good story around that you could tell us? A good disaster story would probably bring me back to the days when I like started into in production when I was in Nashville touring with Toby Mac. I did a fall hits deep tour with him and there, this is almost more so just shows off how great the team is, but I was on a bus that ended up having like this small electrical fire and (laughs) you and electricity. I think it's funny anytime you hear like like the fire was small because anytime the fire is uncontrolled, it doesn't feel small. Great track record with uh, electricity and like just woke up where it was like, get out of the bus, you know? And so get on my bunk. We're on the side of the road and it's, pitch black outside. I'm forgetting where we were, but you know, the lights on the bus are slowly starting to dim. So I'm like, no, like no one's going to see that there's this massive bus on the side of the road. So, you know, we were standing in a way that if the bus gets hit, it won't hit us like all that type of stuff. So ends up that Toby's bus turns around. Um, they got a hold of that bus turns around, picks us up. We just sit in like the front part of the bus, like kind of sleeping. Like We've hardly slept like that whole time. So you're just kind of like sitting there uh, and trying to sleep while sitting up. And eventually the, the band wakes up and they're like, what, what is happening? Like, what are you guys doing here? Um, so we get to the uh, arena and shout out to like the rest of the team and them just carrying the load for everyone who wasn't there. Cause by the time we got there, setup was basically done. Like there was just like some final things to do. Um, and we were in kind of like the afternoon where you start to shift towards guests starting to come. And it was, yeah, it was one of those things where like, okay, like you're just going to have to just keep rolling with it. Like what's next. You need to know what jump in once you get there. Um, but I find that most disaster stories that's where it's like it's almost hard for me to think of like a lot of disaster stories because most of the time i'm like oh yeah like this is how we pivoted as a team or this is what we tried or this is what it changed to and it ends up being yeah something that worked or maybe it looked different than you were anticipating but it was still like a fun process with the team even if it was stressful looking back on it you're like oh we figured something out and uh i I agree because here at Church Gear, Blake, I feel like most of our disaster stories center around like gear runs. We're out on the road with large vehicles pulling a bunch of equipment. And I mean, nobody's gotten hurt. Nobody's died. Like nothing major has happened. Knock on some wood. Yeah. <laughs> but like always like the the tire blows out or, or a small fire erupted on the bus. Or it's 3 a.m. on the <laughs> oh, highway gosh. and it's all standstill traffic and Charlie sees a helicopter land that is on true. the highway, yeah. put someone up and go off. Are we sure that wasn't a UFO? I mean, my <laughs> goodness. There's been a lot of talk lately about UFOs being seen. So, you know, I'm very afraid gear of, run. Very, hey, maybe the <laughs> UFOs could give us one of their, their vehicles. We can make gear runs go a lot easier. There you go. There we go. Rebecca, one last question before we get to a torturous game set by Toby. What is that movie where, uh, do you want to play a game? That's um, Saw. Yeah, Toby's the Saw master at Church Gear. <laughs> Great. Um, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> before we get to torture, um, 
you know, something that else could that could feel like torture. As a creative director, uh, what's it like working with production people to pull off visions? Do y'all, you know, what moments do you have where it's like, this is when we're working in harmony and how it goes well, or this is when it's not going well and a red flag of either team is not, you know, working together. Just want to hear from you on that topic. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I one thing that I I love reminding the team as we're jumping into video shoots and different projects is I I personally feel super passionate about it and love leading from the place of reminding us like how we create is like just as important or even more important than what we create. Like we can end up with this like beautiful product or video or story, like whatever it is, but thinking about like what's the process of working together and being the church together when we're in video shoots and meetings and all these moments that it's not just about getting it done, but it's being able to be together. And again, like how, how do we do that? How do we hold that space? Um, I think is, is super important. And honestly, I feel like I have one of the, one of the, like the most fun seats in the bus. Cause I see, especially for our, our videos, which is a big part of what I creative direct is, I, I watch like our final edits and I just see so many people of just like, Oh, our filmmaker found that shot or our Marcom director, like had this idea around the branding, or we tried this, or this moment was that person, or this is who wrote that part of the script. Um, and so I end up like literally watching the final edits and it's like this compilation of like 20 people and their ideas and their questions and their thoughts. And so I find that that is one of the coolest positions to be in because so many people don't have that context, right? Like I'm, I'm able to sit on the seat on the bus that's working with every single aspect of the team that goes from like, here's like an idea. Like, I think there's something here to the idea being developed to the shoot happening to the edit happening to it, like landing on one of the weekends. And that's like super fun. One of the coolest parts of my job. That, uh, yeah, we've done some video content recently and Blake, I think you've gotten the honor of like seeing the final product first almost. So every time, you know, we've got the video producer and we've got content creator, we got, you know, sound happening. And then the final cut is sent to Blake, which it ticks me off Blake. Cause I want to see it first. You know, Toby, I got to make sure you get the stuff that's ready and good. <laughs> you know, think about it like that. I, I might get to see it first, but I get to see it, uh, you know, a little rough. You get to see it polished second. So your punishment, Blake, is we're going to play a game. Is Would that, you like to play a game? I was going to say, do I get to spin the wheel and possibly get 10% of church gear? I'm up to 10%. <laughs> we, we yes. Have a choice? <laughs> yes, we do have a wheel of doom for Blake. So after this, you'll get to spin it. So uh, going back to the beginning where uh, service producer had three seconds to figure out what song the worship band was going to. Rebecca, we're going to see if you have any of those producer skills left in you. We know that Blake doesn't. But in order to balance the scales, we're just going to do Taylor Swift songs. All right. <laughs> it's nice to have a friend. So oh. I'm going to read a line of lyric, and the first person to tell me what the, sign, so what the song is <laughs> gets the point. Okay? So uh, keep your oh, own no. score. Now. Keep your own score. I just won. <laughs> yeah. I just won the game. How crazy. Uh, number one, I snuck in through the garden gate. Out of the woods? Every night that summer just to seal my fate. Man. Summer. Love story? Every night that summer. Cruel summer. I get a point. Oh, okay, next. No, you don't. We're getting easier here. <laughs> this but, is so hard just to hear the words. <laughs> okay, 
but she wears short skirts. I wear t-shirts. Uh, you belong with me. Oh, Blake got a point. Ah, uh, yes. Dang. Yep. Okay. And I was never good at telling jokes, but the punchline goes, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. Lovers? All too well. You both lost again. I'm winning this one. Uh, okay. Only Toby Walters. <laughs> You're could, looking at the whole song. Could run the game and declare hey, he's hey, winning hey, it. Hey, you can't play it and, and lead it. <laughs> okay, next. That night, we couldn't quite forget when we decided to move the furniture so we could dance. Baby, like we stood a chance. Out of the woods. Out of the woods. Blake gets a point. What are you up to, too? Ah. I'm at two. Man, Blake. Okay, this one is for Rebecca. You should be able to get one. And if oh, no. I get burned, at least we were electrified. <laughs> New romantics. <laughs> it sounds like Rebecca's song because she's constantly getting electrified. No, wait, it's wait, wait. not constantly, but you know. New romantics? No, it is dress from reputation. Uh, okay. Wow. I know. Good. It's two to zero, Rebecca. Blake is beating you, and this is embarrassing. I know. Okay. Way I, to go. Okay, let me give you another one. I with- gotta say, for our tech directors <laughs> listening, they gotta be so ready for us to not be obsessed with Taylor Swift. It is a motif at this point. Okay, it's getting super easy now. It's me. Hi. Antihero. Oh gosh. <laughs> Blake's the problem. It's him. Okay, last one. Like, like- let's see. Let's this is the number one. You call me up again just to break me like a promise. All too well. All too well. Blake, Blake, you won in a landslide. Rebecca, yeah. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in you. There was a delay, though. I mean, I, yeah, all too well. We said it on my end at the same exact. OK, day. yeah. So but, we'll say that Rebecca got know, one point. So it's delay. three to one. There we go. Blake, we're going to spin the wheel of doom and uh, see if you get oh. fired because I fired you. At Wait, the there's beginning. actually a wheel. of doom. Yes, there actually is. And it's got. Oh, oh look. It's got one good thing on there. I okay. must say that this That's is a, legally... There's a lot of options. This I is know. legally binding because one of this is 10% <laughs> of church gear and I've already got 10. But every other one is you get fired. Oh, wait. Go on a gear run in got? a box truck, Blake. I Congratulations. am doing that. <laughs> we just established that all the worst things at church gear happen when you're in a, you're in a gear run. Blake will not go on a gear run on anything <laughs> bigger than a van. And uh, when we came to Willow Creek Wait. last night, or last time, <laughs> last, night, last night, I don't even remember that. <laughs> last time, last it, it was a 26-foot truck, and and Siggy had to drive it. You, I rode shotgun. Yeah, but you never touched the, the steering wheel on that bad boy, did you? Well, when he was asleep, and I was driving with just my <laughs> hand, um, you know, it worked out. So, Rebecca, let's Blake, get... You, you got to do it for the stories. You got to do it for the stories. For the content, Blake. Come on. I can't tell stories right. if I'm dead. Like, Drive the box truck. <laughs> or in prison. Um, okay, so let's get back to some good content now that we've gone through the Taylor Swift madness and, you know, given Toby his due. Uh, hit us with a tech takeaway. What's uh, some of your unique piece of advice from all the different roles you've had at one of the biggest churches in the country? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, each role is so unique and different things to, like, learn and apply and all that. I think where what I feel like I'm learning right now is the importance of creating space, semi-regular space to play as a team. Like we're so, even like as a creative, there's like pressure and timelines and like, here's an idea here. It needs to land here. This is the next thing to get done with it. Um, And what's interesting is there's been a specifically a couple of video shoots that we've done where we've 
vocalized that and decided that of like, okay, here's, we have four hours, we have five hours, whatever it is. And we know what we're trying to accomplish. And we know some of the pieces that we have to get there, but we're like, let's just play. Let's like find what shots we have. Let's play around with how we want to take this voiceover and make it visual or uh, yeah, whatever that is as a team. And those have been the, some of the most fun projects as well as like the final edit, the feedback from people being like, oh, there was something like so cool there. Like I so dope what you guys got, all that. Um, and I think being able to create space to play as a team also requires a level of safety, like creativity and even implementation of different ideas. Um, it's inherently vulnerable. Like there's just a level of like putting yourself out there as you're creating or designing or doing something like that. So I think it helps reinforce both of those things of like getting to know people, creating space that people can just try different things without the fear of it not working or it being not a good idea. Um, it's another thing I like doing. I like asking for bad ideas sometimes when you're in creative ideas. Uh, meetings where you're like, okay, like what are the bad ideas? Like, let's get those out there because there might be something in there, an idea that is under the idea, or it might be a better idea than you think because you're just like in your head. Um, but yeah, I would say whatever role or capacity that you have, creating space that your team, your volunteers, it's not always like you have this much time to get this thing done, but there's time also to to tinker and try and play and uh, experiment, ask questions. I think that's like a really healthy thing to exercise as a team and can create camaraderie as well, as well as you learn, you learn a lot in that space when you're not just trying to get stuff done, but experimenting a little bit. Blake, you're great at those bad ideas. I was going to say, can Rebecca come here and just listen to all of Toby's bad ideas? Blake, so do you want to come I, to our next creative meeting? Yes. Well, I can't live in Chicago. I just couldn't do it. It's you so, could visit, though. So cold. I would love to visit if I can go in a plane and not a Chicago summers. Like, Chicago summers are the best. Toby, you still owe me a romantic so. boat ride that we were going to do, but then the weather <laughs> killed us when we went to Philo last year. What's sad is that our listeners are thinking, like, oh, that's a joke. And I'm like, well, not exactly. Listen, next year, we're going to be traveling to Philo on my birthday. So That's true. I wanted to do the boat ride. Rebecca, have you done the architectural cruise in downtown Chicago? I have. I've actually done it a few times. Yeah. I love it. That's, in my I opinion, that's yeah. the best tour in America. It's amazing. But it yeah. was, you know, I have never been on one. This, yeah. Architect that ar architecture tour is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But magically in May in Chicago, it was cold and rainy. It was Come awful. On, Chicago. May for sure can be very cold and rainy here. Gosh. You got to wait till like mid June. Mm. And then you'll still get days that are a little <laughs> chilly, a little rainy. <laughs> well, speaking of important. We eventually things. turn the corner though. We just like keep keeping the variety. <laughs> mm. Well, speaking of important things and having a variety of them, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug uh, for people to find you maybe on Instagram or point people towards something else? Or maybe you're like, hey, leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. You know, you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name. I'm not super active on the socials. I tend not to be uh, super posting a lot. So, um, but glad for you to, to follow, um, chat any questions, anything like that. Um, yeah, that's kind of like the main way that you can find me. Um, that or LinkedIn would be the two spots. She's professional, Toby, talking about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. 
I just I just don't have a lot of social platforms. That's that's maybe also a part of why I plug LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Until now. There we go. Right. Well, thanks for coming on, Rebecca. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Blake, do you ever think that our listeners play, uh, you know, our game that I set you and the guest up with? They play it themselves. But oh, yeah, like they're Church shouting Gear and, and winning. Well, I'm thinking, you know, maybe our listeners are playing Name That Line from Church Gear, from the Church Gear podcast. And so they'll say a line and say, was it Toby or Blake that said it? Well, if it was smart, it came from me. It's pretty easy <laughs> for them to differentiate. Or if it's you're fired, it came from me. That's true. Yeah. So if you don't want to get fired and you want to be smart, you should uh, send this episode to a friend. Just text it to them. They'll love it. It'll be great. Uh, you can bond over it. You can discuss it. You can talk about how you'll be a better. Maybe send it if you're on production. Send it to the worship team. And if you're on the worship team, send it to production. And y'all can talk about how you can better together. You know, church gear. Bringing people together since 2020. It's the year that everyone got split apart. <laughs> Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.